The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I was thinking about doing a bad iteration of like a of a Christmas jingle here, but screw it. I'm just going back to old reliable. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing good. You know, middle of the week. Hoping uh, we can get to the end of the week sooner rather than later. But uh, <laughs> yeah. think things are good. No, no complaints. I'm ready yeah. to talk some injuries. You, uh, you're counting down the hours to the end of the week, there, huh? Everything. You, you sure everything's okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, things are doing all right. You know, just you know, the work week. You know, you're always getting ready for the end of the week. That's uh, right. Yeah. You and what is the? Oh man, why I'm gonna mess up this reference. Uh. What is is it? Oh, something monkey works part works for the week. Oh, I gotta look it up before we're done with our segment. I'll figure it out while we're we're talking about something. Uh, yeah. He is Brandon Marcus. I am Dan Vesperus. This is Fantasy NBA Today. It's Brandon Day. It's Wednesday. It's ailment day. If you got one, smoke if you got them. Uh, Fantasy NBA Today is a hoop ball in Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. H I Kona Coffee on Twitter or just search Hawaiian Isles. On Amazon.com, you can follow the two of us on Twitter at BDMarcus. B as in boy, D as in dog, Marcus. That's Brandon. He's on Twitter. Uh, I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Just spell my name. You got me. Or search for Dan from Hoopball. You can follow us that way as well. Uh, Normally, Brandon, you and I talk about buy low, sell high type of stuff. But we were texting and we thought it might be kind of fun to switch things up for a week because we've been getting a lot of questions about what to do with guys like uh, John Collins, DeAndre Ayton, over, certainly more of these questions earlier than later. Kyrie Irving has been a huge topic in the Twitter sphere and forums, whatever. Uh, Thomas Bryant's injury. There are long-term injuries, and those are dealt with sort of a little bit differently. So I thought it might be kind of fun, and, and you agreed as well, to discuss how to deal with injuries, long-term ones, how to potentially either buy or sell guys that are injured. And so it's it's a little bit of a twist on buy low, sell high. It's buy low, sell injured, or buy injured, sell high. I don't know. Buy injured, sell injured is the official new name of buy, this thing. Buy hurt and then heal and hope that they come back quickly. That's right. Buy, buy hurt, heal fast, yeah. uh, don't sell. That's the that's the very bad name for this new segment we're doing. Um okay. Where do you want to start? I'll I'll throw I'll ping the ball into your court here because we've we've got the list of names already. You're not surprising me with anything today. Right. Um, where do we begin? Aiton because he's back the soonest. No, I was actually going to say Kyrie because I seem like that's the question we're getting the most because yeah. Aiton's coming back next week, so that's kind of not as uh, impossible to figure out as the Kyrie situation because Aiton, you mean you're holding for one week and he's back. Hooray! Yeah, um, good call. But the Kyrie one, I'm getting a lot of questions. Um, got one a couple of nights ago trying to figure out what you would take in return for Kyrie. Cause this person had their team floundering. They didn't know what to do. They can't keep taking the L's. So they need to get healthy bodies. And so they're wondering what they could get in return. And it's really a tough situation because the last we heard Kyrie's going to come back to practice in one to two weeks. Um, but the one thing we're noticing this year, as opposed to previous years is we no longer have a timetable. We're getting the, will be reevaluated in X amount of weeks, oh, which means the worst. Which means absolutely nothing to us because we don't know what to do. So in this situation, 
with Kyrie, I think it's one that's worth talking about to see what you would take in return for him if your team was struggling and whether you would buy him. Personally, I'm not buying him because mm. it concerns me. Kyrie's getting hurt all the time. The one thing you can do if you have balls is you can trade for him and then trade him <laughs> again once he gets healthy. That's my take. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm often accused on draft night of having a distinct lack of balls, and I'm okay with that. I, I feel like it often sets my teams up to just sort of coast along at a pretty good clip. Um, I, I do have, I think, some stones when it comes to stuff like this. I, I For me, this is easier to visualize because it's almost always guys we're talking about that are proven commodities where the only issue is how many games they're playing. And you and I are going to diverge, I think, on some of these discussions because you're more of a head-to-head guy and I'm more of a roto guy. And hopefully yeah. that's actually helpful for the people listening in, depending on uh, more of them probably actually are going to side with you on this. I think more folks play head-to-head than roto. Um, on the Kyrie Irving front, it is incredibly nebulous. You're absolutely right on that side. But prior to getting hurt in the 11 games he played, he was number five in nine cat. I mean, he was outstanding 29 points a game five boards seven assists a steal half a block three three pointers high volume 94 percent at the free throw line that number was going to come down a little bit uh high volume 44 percent from the field that number was actually probably going to come up a tiny bit so there was in my estimation no reason to think that he would fall outside of the top 10 the question is now of the remaining Whatever games the Nets actually have left, I, I, I didn't count this up before we went on air. I assume it's somewhere in the 50s. That's where we're sitting at this point, right? Like high 50s, mid mid to high 50s games left. Yeah, um, most teams have about 22, 23 they've played. So about 50. Okay, so uh, actually closer or 60, to 60. Sorry, 60. Geez. Okay, so high 50s up to near 60. How many of those is he actually going to play? I mean, for me, even if you're looking at 45 of those, I'm still good with a buy. The question now becomes what at what cost? I feel like you could get him pretty cheap. And when I say pretty cheap, it's a comparative analysis here. It's not like throw out a top 95 guy. I'm just saying for someone that was ranked top five, like he's ahead of Luka Doncic in nine cat rankings. You could get him for something way less than a first rounder right now. How, how can I pass up an opportunity like that? Like what if, do you think if I, let's pretend you have Kyrie since you, you actually don't like him very much. So this yeah. will be, you're a person who is extremely frustrated with his non-timetable and injury history. If I offered you Chris Paul, would you take it? Yes. Wow. Actually, no, not Chris Paul. because He's going to get hurt at some point. <laughs> okay. Similar stat set, just not as injury prone. Um, what if I offered you LaMarcus Aldridge? No, because of fear that he's going to rest down the stretch because the Spurs stink. But, right. but you're, you're close. I'm getting close. Uh, Clint Capella? Yes. Okay. These guys are in the, the Aldridge is 29. By the way, people are giving me heat for the Aldridge, my Aldridge love. He's 29 again, guys. Um, By the way, I would take, I, I, I may be in the minority in this. Um, I would take Bam over, over Kyrie. Yeah. Just because, just because I think that Bam's going to continue to get usage. They're building around him. I think he has the ability to continue to get better. Um, the free throw percentage hopefully would go up. Uh, I also love Bam, but. It's, it's, I mean, Jokic, who's at 38, I would take. Yeah, um, I would too. That one, I'm, I'm on board. I'd rather guys, have Jokic. <laughs> I, I think I would take Tobias. Wow. You're giving me a lot of ideas here. You're listening. I also hate Kyrie, but here's the issue. Here, here's the one issue, Dan. The, if you decide to trade for him, and this is completely different between head-to-head and Roto, because you're right, because you do the Roto and the games cap, 
and you can afford to have guys miss games. That does mm-hmm. not hurt you as much as it does in a head-to-head where you could be losing the next two or three matchups because Kyrie's not there. And it does worry me that once he gets back that maybe they aren't doing as well, he gets re-injured, maybe they're not in the playoff hunt at the end of the year, and he sits and gets ready for the KD era next year. So there's all that stuff that's floating around. And in head-to-head in fantasy playoffs, if you don't have Kyrie Irving, then that really hurts you. So I want to have something that's going to be there at the end of the year. And that's where we differ is that at this point, Kyrie is sinking teams. But at the same time, you've held on to him for this long. And now that we have the one to two weeks, it's a little bit harder to get rid of him than it would have been one to two weeks ago. Yeah, and that's I think that's why I'm buying is, and on top of everything else, by the way, the Nets are almost guaranteed a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference because the bottom seven teams in the East are atrocious. Like, they would have to totally melt down. Not well, they were to bad without, with Kyrie, by the way. I yeah, think their record good. with Kyrie versus without Kyrie is very, very different. Yeah, they're like a game or two under 500, and then they're like 9-3 and three without him. Um, they did have a really easy stretch. They played better lately. I'll give them credit on that front. Um, they played a bunch of really terrible teams right when Kyrie got hurt. Um, but also, the East is awful. I mean, even if he comes back and disrupts the chemistry... Look at the bottom six teams in the East and tell me any of those teams is actually going to compete for a playoff spot. <laughs> the Hornets, the Bulls, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Cavs, the Knicks. The only team the Nets have to worry about is the Pistons, and and they kind of stink too. So yeah. um, I think that, I mean, they're going to be at the very least in the hunt, and maybe that's a good thing for Kyrie playing down the stretch. There's my argument for head-to-head. If uh, if I'm not, by the way, I'm I'm actually with you. I don't think I'm trading for him in a head-to-head league. There's There's too much risk attached to it and you have to you have to take some L's waiting for him to come back but in Roto pretty much every name that I lobbed out there just a minute ago I would give up for Kyrie Irving so by the way if you're in Roto leagues with me and you've got Kyrie feel free to throw my direction uh because Brandon picked a bunch of guys that are on all of my teams like all of my Tobias Harris's are floating around out there I don't think most people would take Tobias for Kyrie I think your your hatred might actually be uh one click above the average yeah, that's fair. The, the the one offer that we got, by the way, that we were hit up on Twitter is that this guy was giving up Kyrie and getting Bledsoe in-house. And that's really, really low. Yeah, for, I don't want that. I mean, that's 85 and 100 probably that you're giving up or getting for a guy that, like you said, is top five. I mean, that's not enough return, I don't think. I, yeah. I want to get guys that are going to be producing at at least the level of Tobias Harris. Yeah, so the guys around Tobias, I'm going to go a little higher as opposed to a little lower. Um Donovan Mitchell is one I bet would get you Kyrie right now because there's so much name power there. But he's 42 in nine cat, folks. People were yelling at me when he got off to that top 20 start. Uh, he's petered out. You know, the the same stuff that's cropped up for him in the past is back up there again. The field goal percent dropping, whatever. This is not a Donovan Mitchell yeah. should be drafted in the 40s. Drew, Drew Holiday is another uh, one. Yeah, I think I'd probably give up Drew because he has there's some uh, shutdown risk associated with him that you're dealing with as well. Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon would have been a great one before he started falling off a cliff here lately. Uh, I don't know how much higher than those guys I would go, though. Like, I mentioned Chris Paul because there is the injury risk. As you get up into that territory, you're looking at guys like Vooch, Devin Booker, uh, Siakam, Kyle Lowry, but there's an injury guy. I I would give him up for Kyrie. Um, Kemba Walker, Jonathan Isaac. Would you give up Jonathan Isaac for Kyrie Irving? No, I'd rather have Isaac. 
Yeah, he is playing right now. I think I probably would, actually. It depends on my team makeup, but I think I probably would. Brandon Ingram, sell high for Kyrie? Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you could do that. I think I'd rather have Kyrie in that situation. Yeah, most of these uh, guys, I'm, I'm picking Kyrie over them. Very few of those names I mentioned I wouldn't. Um, Rashawn Holmes is 22. Can I think you believe I, that? Oh, my God. Can we do a Rashawn Holmes celebratory segment on today's yeah, show? My goodness, man. That, that's absolutely incredible. I added him the second. Um that he was going to start and boy he has been unbelievable so good in totals by the way because he he played in games before he got promoted he just wasn't that great in those games by totals he's number nine in nine cat jesus yeah top 10 in totals at this point yeah is this by the way is this like a roto style the, the rankings that on basketball monster is it all roto style is that how they rank it uh i think it's well you can sort by per game or totals so you can sort of flip it around a little bit depending so on what you like. Per game would be Roto and totals would be head-to-head? Probably. Yeah, that makes sense. Number nine, man. If that, by the way, is the reason that I'm hyper-competitive in the 30-team league you and I were laughing about on the premium show uh, oh, on Monday. Um, okay, so that's that's the Kyrie story. Uh, what about the other side? I mean, it sounds like you would sell him for a lot of stuff just to get out from underneath it. Um, I mean, I guess we covered both ends of it, didn't we? I guess yeah, it, yeah, but it's worth it's worth noting that here's the issue. If you're going to hold on to him and you think you can deal him once he comes back, I, I find it hard to trade in general with people because I feel like they just overvalue their guys and mm-hmm. then they kind of know the people in my league. Go, oh, you're trying to buy low on this guy. You're trying to sell high on this guy. Like some people are not stupid. So when Kyrie comes back and does well for a week or two, it's very possible they're going to be like, oh, OK, well, he was just hurt for a while. Why would I take him? So that's the only th- risk that you do take on if you decide to acquire him and then trade him or if you decide to wait and then trade him is that it's very possible other people in your league know that he was hurt and don't want him. Yeah, you have to be more clever than that, which is why, by the way, I mean, this this is not related to our discussion right now, but it's why I've been pointing out that the Warriors have this stretch of non back to backs where a lot of people in your league might not notice it. So this is where you can let guys settle in a little bit quietly and then maybe make a trade to get out from under those guys. Similar thing with Kyrie. Uh, You're not going to be able to unload him after two games when he comes back. He's going to need to play probably 10 before you can convince somebody, okay, he's good to go. You can be like, look, he's played his last 10 games in a row. He's fine. You know, the shoulder thing is behind him. So your choice is either sell now or sell like 15 to 16 games from now. So it's a pretty big gap there between, um, and the same deal on the buying side. You're either buying now, or you're waiting until his cost goes way up. This is your moment when there is this cloud around when he's actually going to come back, and it might be a week, it might be two, it might be three. You have to take the plunge if you want the risk. You can't buy him at a cheap price after there is a timetable. Because then his price is going to go up. That's it. Yeah. It's it's a leverage thing. As soon as somebody knows how long they have to wait, they're going to be able to put a stamp on him. Okay, I have to wait three weeks. All right, fine. This is exactly what the cost is going to be. Right now, the question marks make him as cheap as he will ever be. Simple yeah. enough. No, no. For, yeah, no. It, it, th- that's the issue is if we're going to try and trade for somebody that's hurt or if we're going to try and trade somebody that's hurt, you've got to know that if you're going to trade for somebody – you're going to end up giving up less than you would if you wait and the other way around. You will end up giving up more if you do wait. People drive me nuts with these the trade stuff cuz it's just like Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to buy him I'm going to buy low after the news is already out that he's going to be back in 3 games or something like that. You have to beat the news. 
You have to beat the news. Uh, what about the two suspended guys? Because one is one week away, the other is basically two, two and a half weeks away. Uh, is it too late to buy on DeAndre Ayton? Probably, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, right. I have him on a team, and I'm like, I've held on to him for this long. I went, and God, this was a while ago. I'm going to kill myself. So I added Ayton because, and you only get four center spots on ESPN, which is so stupid, by the way. So dumb. And Holmes is a free agent. And I'm like, all right, well, I have Ayton, I have, I have Towns, I have Brooke Lopez, and I have Miles Turner. I'm like, who am I going to drop? I'm like, I can't drop anybody. So I ended up not getting Holmes. Um, so it's like people that have been waiting this long on Aiton want to see him play. And how glorious is it that at some point when he plays, I do have Aiton, so I want him to do well. But finally, he's going to be removed from that number one slot. Because frankly, <laughs> he's not the number one player in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that has been incredibly annoying. DeAndre Aiton, number one. 18-11, a steal and four blocks on 64% shooting. And no turnovers. He's brilliant. Uh, he can't be stopped. So, but yes, I, I think if you're going to give up, eight, if you're going to try and trade for Aiton, I think you may have a tiny buy low because some people may not realize how high he was drafted. But here's my only hesitation. I'm curious to see if you agree. This Baines thing kind of does worry me because Baines was doing really well when Aiton was out. And we don't know how many minutes Aiton's going to play because they were competitive. They were winning games with Baines. So there kind of is a question mark. They obviously want to play Aiton. He was great when he played last year. But there is somebody else there now to try and chew at a couple of his minutes. Uh, I think you probably see Aiton around 30 instead of 33. People are probably hoping for like 32, 33. It probably comes down by two or three minutes, and you probably see Baines in the 18 to 20 range, if I had to guess, um, which should still be enough. It, it probably just puts uh, Aiton around his minute total from last year, which was 30 and a half, effectively. Which, would you want him? Would you try trading for him? I would, but I, I think I, even just from hearing you talk about how long you've been hanging on to him, I don't think you can get him at the right price right now. I think you basically have to pay what he was drafted at because he's now a week away. He's so close. I, I don't think there is a ton of fear there. Uh, I don't think there's a ton of fear with John Collins either. So let's lump these two guys actually into one discussion. It's probably too late to buy on either of them. But when the news came out that they were going to miss a month and a half of basketball each, that's the moment to buy, right? Yeah, especially in your leagues, man, where you have this games cap and you have the ability to have a guy sit on your bench for a month or so. I mean, in my league, this, granted, this guy was in last place, and so he just couldn't afford it, and his team sucks every year, but he dropped eight and he dropped Collins. He had both guys, and, and now they're on different teams. And with Collins, it's like that was absolutely the time. Like You know how good he is. If you were in first place, you could go ahead and sit and wait for it. It, it really does work with this entire conversation, Dan, is that if you are high in the standings, you can afford to sit on a guy like Vucevic. Mm, so a important guy, to get off to a quick start. A guy like De'Aaron Fox. You could go ahead and sit on these players as opposed to if you're sitting in seventh or eighth and you have three slots that are dedicated to Aiton, Collins, and Fox, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to need to trade one of them and people know that and you're not going to get as good of a value. So it's tough. It's really a difficult situation. But like you said, and this is why we harped on it the entire offseason, draft a healthy team. No one could have seen this Collins stuff co coming. No one could have seen this Aiton stuff coming. And the suspensions for drugs, you just don't know is going to happen. But that's why it's so imperative to not start with guys that are going to get hurt. Guys like Kyrie Irving, for example, they get hurt every single year. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, because people are like, oh, I could have never seen the suspensions coming. You're right. So make sure those are the only things you're dealing with. At all yes. costs. That's um, that's a great point. Put that one in the in the good points column. Um, I want to make sure that we again stress the fact that 
You don't wait until halfway through someone's suspension or injury is up to to throw out your buy low offers. You have to get in there early. That's when the price is low because there is a weight attached to it. You have to that. I mean, you. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just how it works. Too many people think that they can wait until a suspension or injury is two to three weeks from done and then start lobbing out offers. You have to put yourself in the owner's shoes in that spot. If I had one of these guys and I just sat on him for five weeks and then someone lowballed me, not only would I reject that trade, I would also include a message telling them to where they can stick it. You know, like put yourself in the other person's shoes when you're making these trade offers. Try to understand what someone psychologically from fantasy is. is It's funny that it's like a real thing. Uh, what they're going through in their head, which yeah. is like when Nick Vucevic went down and it, was, and it looked horrible. That's your moment. As soon as you found out it wasn't, you know, like an ACL tear out for the year kind of thing. That's your moment. With Collins and Aiden, it was an obvious one. We knew exactly the day they'd be coming back. That's a perfect opportunity to buy low. I want to talk about one other guy that falls into the what the hell category, Thomas Bryant. We got to do it Um, because it's a little bit Kyrie-esque in that we don't really know when he's coming back. They've said evaluated in three weeks. He was, he's not like Kyrie, you know, he's not a top five guy. So it's not like you can say, well, if he comes back and we can even squeeze 40 games out of him, it's worth it. He was in the 60s when he went down. We don't know when he's coming back. He's a guy that teams are probably going to consider dropping. Now, that being said, see, there you go. Um, This is also the time to buy if you want to do so. If you want to do so. What would it take to get Thomas Bryan off a team? I feel like you could get him for anyone inside the top 100. Yes, correct. And, and I dropped him because here's the thing that I'm learning, and I learned it very quickly this year, and it happened with the Deer and Fox thing, this reevaluated thing. Every single time you see that, that does not mean they're coming back in three weeks. It means they're getting reevaluated, and that's why I've been telling people on Twitter that have been asking me, drop Otto Porter. Just drop him. We have no idea what his injury is, like how bad it is, they continue to push back the timetable. Drop him because we have no idea when he's coming back. It's really not worth it to kill your roster with a guy that, frankly, has no return date. And in De'Aaron Fox's case, immediately when he got hurt, people said, this is a two- to three-month injury. Yeah. And they said, all right, he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. And I said, all right, that's cool, except that I read news that this is probably a two- to three-month injury. And so I'm probably screwed. So I tried trading him. No one would bite. And so I'm just sitting on him now and just waiting for him to come back and hoping – that he comes back sooner rather than later. But you're you're right. I mean, in this case, you just need to you need to realize that some of these injuries are worse than people think. A stress fracture in the foot is not a good injury. That's not a three-week injury. Thomas Bryant's not coming back that soon. I think it's gonna be like a two-month injury. And in that case, if a guy is sitting around 65 or 70, as much as I love Thomas Bryant, and he was one of my guys during the offseason I wanted to acquire, I'm not gonna sit on a guy that's probably gonna end up losing minutes to Wagner and Bertons and all that kind of stuff when he comes back because he wasn't performing great before he got went down and in that case I'm okay dropping him you know what's funny this is, a, is it's related but also unrelated I, as you were talking about Thomas Bryant as we've been talking about all these guys I realized that I've been doing fantasy for I think it's about 18 years now um I don't think I've ever sold an injured player on my team really I don't th- I think zero I think I've never done it I've always just said, bleep it, and swallowed the, <laughs> that jagged little pill. Shout out Alanis Morissette. Uh, 
I, I just I can't in my mind reconcile giving away a guy at a discount. It's the weirdest yeah. damn thing. Well, it's fair. That's totally fair. I mean, in the league that I was in, I'm talking about with Fox. I mean, I was sitting with four or five guys hurt, and I said, F it. I'll just take a couple losses. I'll figure it out. There's 14 weeks left when I get eight and back. I'll be fine. Like, I'm, I'm confident enough in what I can do fantasy-wise that if I can sit around that six or seven spot when six teams make playoffs, I'll be fine. Just make playoffs, and I'll go for broke then. Do you ever make up, uh, and it sounds like you do a little bit, number one, you look to see how many weeks are left when your guys are expected to return. That's a really good idea. Yeah, uh, that's what I did, Aiden. Number two, do you ever set a low threshold for how far your team can fall out of a playoff spot before you're like, okay, I got to like, I gotta hit the panic button here? Or is yeah, it just... Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was following the standings, and, and that's what I was doing. I mean, I, four weeks ago, I was like, all right, well, I started off well. Um, so there you go. That's your start off well thing. And then the injury struck and I kept losing and I said, all right, fine. And then I looked at my matchup. Like I had three matchups coming up. I need to win one of the next three and I won one of the next three. And so I'm just like, all right, fine. I have a bye week cause it's an 11 team league in week nine. Turns out that's the week eight and comes back. I'm like, great. After that week, we'll figure it out. All right. Beautiful. Hope that helped everybody. Uh, this is the potentially buy low, stay healthy. Don't sell, maybe do sell. Uh, poorly named segment with Brandon Marcus and Dan Vaspers. <laughs> yeah, that well, was bad. That yeah, was we'll, really bad. Yeah, I'm we'll come up with a better name. Hey, uh, you, you got any ailments before I let you go? My neck is hurting a little bit, you know. But apart from that, um, you know, a little bit fuzziness in the eye, but status quo. <laughs> oh, the weirdness reigns supreme here on Fantasy NBA Today. All right, uh, that's it. That's it for Brandon. We'll go back to normal buy low, sell high next week. If you got follow-up questions, obviously, on this injury stuff, hit Brandon up on Twitter at BDMarcus. I am at Dan Bespris. Obviously, I'll be uh, discussing the box scores here momentarily, getting everybody situated on that front. But, Brandon, I will talk to you on the premium show on Monday. Talk to you then. And happy Brandon Day. And that was, of course, as always, the wonderful Brandon Marcus. We took a little bit of a detour this week, but I'm glad we did. It was something that I thought was worth exploring especially in this moment, and, and maybe we'll reassess it. Well, maybe we'll add that into our weekly discussion. We'll do the buy lows, we'll sell highs, we'll try to touch on some injury stuff and, and kind of how people can exploit it, if you can exploit it at all. Sometimes you can't because there are extenuating certain Like if, if Jaron Jackson Jr. got hurt early this year or if Shea got hurt early this year, th there are guys where I don't think you'd be able to buy low on them because of namesake, because of buzz, but there are... You know, this is a perfect example. The, the suspensions, when they first came down, if you looked at it and you were like, okay, let me do my math here, you could probably have mathed your way to a buy. Say, okay, well, they're going to miss 25 games, 25 out of 82. You know, it's a, a little bit less than a third of a season. What is a guy? Then you say, where well, what's their rank going to be on a per-game basis? Let's say DeAndre Ayton and John Collins were somewhere in that 25 range. Best case scenario at that point, then they're playing 57 games, ranked 25th. You can find that comparison from seasons past, and you can say, okay, well, best case scenario for this guy now is, you know, somewhere inside the top 50 for the season. That's just sort of a best case. And then you go and you'd, you know, you try to match that up with someone you think is going to have top 50 total value. Or maybe you go find somebody who's sitting in that top 50 range who isn't going to play a ton of games. So there's a lot of ways to look at this. Um, and I think we should continue to look at it uh, from the, the buy low, sell high perspective going forward. 
Uh, let's break down the Tuesday card pretty quickly. I was actually really excited about this Tuesday card. And then aside from the uh, overtime score fest in Miami, it turned out to be a, a, a little bit of a disinteresting night. Um, for Washington, Davis Bertans continues to roll. He had eight three-pointers. Rui Hachimura with his increased usage still looking good right now. Looks like he's turning out to be a much larger beneficiary of the Thomas Bryan injury than I uh, initially thought, but it, it's definitely there. Mo Wagner got his 26 minutes. It wasn't a brilliant night, but by all accounts, it was a pretty good nine-category evening. He was basically one made three-pointer away from what you'd call a really solid, quiet nine-cat game. Like, let's say he makes the three-pointer, then you're talking about 12 points, a three, six board, three assists, a block, and all three three-pointers made. As it stands, he was fairly middle of the pack, but I like the 26 minutes. Um, I like that he salvaged his line that didn't get off to a quick start. I'm still good with everything that we had rolling in Washington. Troy Brown has actually played relatively well over the last couple of games as well, but it's sort of just a little bit on the outside kind of deal, more of a deep league sort. Charlotte Hornets, they're the same old story. Uh, Bismack Biombo, Cody Zeller now are splitting the center minutes. They each double-doubled in this game in kind of an odd twist, but neither one of them is playing enough to get themselves onto a roster. P.J. Washington settled back into some of his bad habits that had cost him kind of a hot run, but you got to love the 40 minutes, though. So what I'm going to say here is my thoughts on dropping him, remember a couple shows back, I think that was uh, either the beginning of this week or the end of last, I was I was saying that he was really close. I was thinking this might be the time to move on, and then promptly he had a big ball game, and I said, all right, I'm going to buy him a little bit more time. Uh, I like the fact that Nick Batum got hurt, not for his own sake, but just to sort of clear out a little bit of the riffraff with this one. Uh, Marvin Williams was also out, so that meant more time for P.J. Washington as well. That appears to be the biggest threat to his numbers. Uh, so you hang on here, even with the bad percentages and the high turnovers. You, you hang on because the minutes are there, and if somebody's playing 40 minutes, they're just it's going to be enough somehow. Same can be said for Miles Bridges, who played 38 minutes in this game. It wasn't a great one. You know, he missed a bunch of shots, missed a free throw, but he had two blocks, he had three threes. That's fine. That's enough. You know, we, we never were able to give the drop recommendation because there's still enough there. He's just not going to get as high as we, uh, or, or I shouldn't say we, because I have no Miles Bridges, um, but as folks were hoping when they drafted him. Terry Rozier's been playing pretty well lately. Devontae Graham has been an incredible pickup, so we'll just sort of settle on that. Denver had some news in a game that was uh, relatively low on news. Uh, ben Simmons... Bad percentage game. Josh Richardson coming back from his hamstring was not good at all and lost playing time to Batiste Thibel, but as Richardson gets healthy, he'll settle back in. Shouldn't probably have started him. I did because I thought they wouldn't roll him out there until he was fully healthy because, you know, they're good and the East is terrible. Um, but this appeared to be a ramp-up game. Tobias Harris continues to play well, but no real news on the Philadelphia side. For Denver, Jamal Murray hurt his trunk. They're listing it as a trunk contusion. He landed awkwardly early in the ballgame. Uh, don't know what the timeline is on this yet at the time of recording, but Monty Morris is a guy I'm eyeballing as a potential streamer. He's probably getting picked up in a few spots even before you get a chance to listen to this podcast. I'm not dropping anybody significant. Jamal Murray is a pretty quick healer by all accounts, so I don't know that you can you know, sort of game for, for that to be a big difference maker. But if we get a word that he's going to miss two, three, four games, something like that, you could roll Monte out there with his high-efficiency stuff uh, and just enjoy it for a few games. But that's a streamer at, at best. 
Denver, of course, losing again in this ballgame. They've hit a little bit of a rough patch. Gary Harris was actually decent in his 33 minutes. Maybe that was because Jamal Murray was down. Perhaps it's Gary Harris, actually, that gets the biggest bump here, kind of moving back over the cut line. Paul Millsap was a little better in this one after a slow spell. Nikola Jokic, 15-7-11. He's still a buy low, even if he's not going to get as, as high as people wanted, myself included. Uh, and then Will Barton was hot, and he was the only reason they were able to hang out uh, at all in this basketball game. Atlanta-Miami. You might not know it by the final score, but this was actually a really close ball game in regulation. This was the very rare ball game where teams get to pull their starters in overtime. You almost never see that, but they got creamed so hard in the bonus period that they were able to yank their regulars. Uh, DeAndre Hunter had a really nice ball game. He played 40 minutes, had 28 points, missed some free throws. He has severe percentages issues. I am far from considering DeAndre Hunter for a spot on my fantasy team. I am far from considering DeAndre Hunter for a spot on my fantasy team. He is number 231. One 28-point game is not going to change that complexion all that much. The names that we were thinking about, certainly, in that Atlanta game, mainly Jabari Parker, he's been fine, but Kevin Herter. Minutes still at 26, so they didn't move the minutes cap much, and there was certainly an opportunity to here in a game that went to overtime. So that's fine. I mean, whatever the schedule turns out to be with his stuff. He has minutes that he can take from guys like Cam Reddish, from Vince Carter. Uh, we already saw Damian Jones trending down. Alex Lyon played 22 minutes. He's been, you know, okay streaming-wise lately, but John Collins is going to mess that all up. Um, I-, I talked at great length on a previous pod about how I don't think John Collins is going to kill Jabari Parker completely, partially perhaps, but the reason I want to spend a little more time on Herter is the seven assists. He seems to have, and I don't know if this is going to be a thing forever, slipped into the backup ball handling role. Basically, anytime Trey Young is not on the floor, and for this game it was only 12 minutes, he played uh, 41 of them of the, the 53 in the ball game. Uh, but those 12 minutes are an opportunity for Herter to get a few assists, and he's going to, you know, he's going to tumble into a few when he's out there alongside Young anyway, because Trey's taking shots and other guys are taking shots. But in those 12 minutes, if he can pick up two or three assists, let's just say two, that takes him from two and a half to four and a half. And that's a big, big deal for a wing player, shooting guard, small forward type, uh, and a reason to like him that perhaps didn't exist prior to last week. So uh, my my numbers for Herder go up a little bit from a guy that I wasn't interested in at all to a guy that I'm looking at and thinking, well, if he pulls some weird, more uh, initiator-like stats out of this, that's a very different game than he was set to bring to the table. Remember, in 30 minutes a game earlier this year when he was just finally getting healthy, you were looking at two, three assists a game. In the, the three to five window is a very different window than the than the one to four window of assists where you settle into that two and a half range versus settling into three and a half or four. So that's a big deal to me. Um, he made three three pointers. He went over four shooting in the second half or this actually could have been a much more interesting game for him. But uh, worth a stash right now at the very least. There's sort of top 90 potential in him. I don't know that he gets much higher as the third or fourth offensive option, but the passing gets him a couple of clicks higher, and to me, that's enough where you can at least kind of lob your hat into the ring. 
The Heat, on the other hand, were not afraid to play their guys' big minutes. Uh, interesting note on this one. Derek Jones Jr. played 35 minutes. Kelly Olynyk only 17. Of course, that's not something that we figure is going to hold on a night-to-night basis. Uh, Atlanta was relatively small outside of the Alex Len minutes, so that obviously contributed to which guys were on the floor besides Bam Adebayo, who, by the way, triple-doubled. Wow, big ball game. Uh, Jimmy Butler also triple-doubled. Two giant ones on the Miami side. And we haven't even gotten to the big lines yet. But I think what this does is it seals the fate on a couple of guys. Number one, you know, you're talking about how it seemed like Tyler Harrow could probably hold value while both Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow were out. That's not entirely the case. He was always the third guy in my pecking order, even the fourth potentially of those groupings. Kendrick Nunn was always the guy that I said, we could probably hang on to value if three of the four guys are healthy. If all four guys are healthy, this is Nunn, Harrow, Winslow, and Dragic. I don't think any of them have fantasy value. With two of them out, Nunn has an easy first crack at it. He actually led the team in field goal attempts with 26 in this game. And that's the beauty of it for him. He's been healthy enough where he's been able to sort of plod his way to fantasy value. He was at number 132 Per game coming into this one, 106 totals. That'll push back into the uh, under 100 category in in totals and probably more like 115, 120 on a per game basis. And so this is a window for him to stream none. Uh, But again, if everybody gets healthy for the Heat, I think you probably drop all of them, including Kelly Olynyk, the one guy on the Heat that actually seems like he's moved in front of the cut line probably permanently now is Duncan Robinson who really had his second, everybody's like, wow, 10 three-pointers. Yeah, 10 three-pointers is great. Remember, he had nine on November 20th. It's only 21 days ago. He had nine three-pointers. He had a five and a six blended in there. He's hitting a truckload of them now. Uh, Over the last month, he's up to almost three and a half three-pointers a game. I think he's actually above that. He's inside the top 80 over that stretch. And he, to me, you know, we talked about him as a guy that could possibly be worth owning I think he's a must-own guy now he's playing huge minutes obviously with with Winslow out the minutes are very available I just think they like his ability to space the floor and efficiency better than they like from Justice Winslow and I don't know that Robinson's minutes ever fall below that 26-27 territory the rest of the way so pick him up see what happens great streamer at the very least and then if things do come off the rails a little bit uh, then you can pull the plug later on but uh, certainly good to see Bam Adebayo hit four out of five free throws. It was actually Jimmy Butler that missed all of his foul shots. And, uh, yeah, that uh, put the the deal in that one. A blowout in overtime. Very weird. Uh, Portland absolutely massacred the New York Knicks. So uh, welcome back to being the Knicks. Just one and a half games removed from David Fisdale getting fired. The Knicks got smoked. Uh, Julius Randle was actually not horrible in this game. Almost definitely because I did finally bench him. Mitchell Robinson did not have a block, missed three free throws, so that was rough. Marcus Morris had 10 points. Bobby Portis came off the bench for a double-double. Overall, uh, Alfred Payton was bad. Frank Nilakina was bad. It's hard on a four-game night to basically have no one on your team that was a positive player for the evening, and the Knicks tried very hard to make that happen. Uh, Basketball Monster, some of their numbers do a nice job of sorting guys into sort of how they performed compared to the other dudes playing on that night and uh, for the Knicks again only eight teams played and yet somehow the Knicks didn't have anybody above uh, inside the top 25 of all of the players that played on Tuesday night Hassan Whiteside was good Damian Lillard 
shot the lights out, and that was all they needed. Um, this was a huge blot, so nobody saw many minutes. Lillard playing under 30 is almost unheard of. C.J. McCollum actually played over 30 because he starts the fourth quarter, so he actually gets an okay number of minutes, even in a blowout. And some of the guys that we were watching in this game didn't really get what we were hoping they would get. Number one, Kent Bazemore, so he didn't get in for his final chunk of minutes, and he basically was playing... He played seven minutes in the first quarter. He played about five and a half in the second quarter. He played uh, nine minutes, actually, I believe it was, in the third quarter. Um, and I don't, I'm don't. i assuming he probably would have gotten back in there for another four or five at the end. And that's all that I'm worried about. I, I know the stat line wasn't good. The usage is going to be low for him. And I got actually, uh, and I don't know if it was an angry question, a sarcastic one, or a, or a fully genuine one. Um, but the... The question was about why Kent Bazemore but not Mario Hazonia. And, and there's a good explanation for this. Stat set. Uh, Bazemore doesn't actually need to be an offensive player to have an impact. And it was hard to see from this ball game. Obviously, this is a bad example to use. But the previous one, where he slotted in and played 30-some-odd minutes in, in Rodney Hood's stead, was probably a better example if he hits some three-pointers, he will. He'll probably hit one and a half per game, maybe two, depending on how these things go and, and who's taking a ton of shots on a given night. He doesn't need to take that many. Eight, nine shots a game, that's more than enough if he even gets to that point. You know, if he's out there long enough, the fact that he didn't have any assists is actually pretty weird in this one because his teammates were, by all accounts, shooting the ball okay. Not all of them, I guess, just Damon Whiteside for the most part. Anthony Simons played well in the second quarter, so he saw a few extra minutes there, and then he saw some run in garbage time as well, so don't read too much into that part. And then Bazemore is a steals and blocks maniac. He always has been. So that's why there's a big thing for me there. He's going to see minutes at his uh, at the, the shooting guard small forward spot. He and C.J. McCollum can just alternate who's guarding who. And, I mean, first of all, he's not going to shoot 34% for the entire season from the field either. If his minutes go up, and he's already at 0.9 steals and 0.8 blocks and 1.33 pointers in 23 minutes a game, if that goes up into the 27 to 30 minute range, you're talking about a 20 to 30 percent bump in all of the relevant categories. So eight points goes to almost 10, four rebounds goes to five, 1.7 assists to two. You know, you're looking at maybe over a steal and a block a game. That's why I like Baysmore. It's a stat set thing and nothing else. If he's gonna see the minutes. There's probably, there's not, never, nothing's a guarantee in this world, but there's probably enough there to make a nice case for it. So uh, that's why him and not the other guys. But this was obviously an intense blowout of a basketball game. Nobody saw their usual fare. And obviously it's better to be on the good side of a blowout, but the starters were only in there for the first, you know, 85 to 90 points scored anyway. And Dame had 31 of those. So that didn't leave a whole lot for, uh, for everybody else. So that was your very short Tuesday card. I, I you know, I, I was excited to see a few things that that didn't really pan out. I, I was excited to see, you know, if New York was going to do anything different. They didn't. I was excited to see what Bazemore's role might be in a competitive basketball game. It wasn't one, uh, but we did learn some stuff on the Herder front. We learned some stuff on the Duncan Robinson front with Miami. Uh, we learned. I mean, Jamal Murray got hurt, so that was something. We learned a little bit on the Washington side as well. So there, there were definitely fantasy stories to pull away from uh, this this relatively quick 
Tuesday evening slate. For Wednesday, it is, as per usual, a much fuller NBA card. When I think the word fuller, I think of the kid that uh, peed the bed in Home Alone. Uh, 11 games slate on Wednesday. Lakers magic. Lakers on the road. This should actually be a pretty interesting ballgame. I, I think that uh, people are going to write off the magic, and, and we'll see if the Lakers actually come focused. There's not a whole lot from a fantasy standpoint I'm curious about in this game. Sounds like Avery Bradley's going to play. But that's not fantasy relevant. More than maybe just eliminating any route for Rajon Rondo to have fantasy value. Uh, Orlando's pretty easy to predict these days. Clippers are in Toronto. The Kawhi Leonard uh, coming back to Toronto. I'm sure he'll get a huge ovation in this ballgame. He actually hasn't won in San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken, since leaving the Spurs. We'll see if there's any uh, little jitters for Kawhi. Uh, Toronto side, we're watching Serge Ibaka. Freddie Van Fleet's health is the other thing on the radar with that ball club. On the Houston-Cleveland game, we'll watch Ben McLemore, and obviously whoever's seeing the uh, the 3 and D minutes, it's you can pretty much trust P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, but is there enough uh, meat on the bone for McLemore to hold value as Austin Rivers gets healthy, and then whenever the hell we see Eric Gordon down the line, but we don't need to get into that for this ball game. Cleveland's the same old story. They're uh, generally hot garbage. Boston-Indiana, game two in the Gordon Hayward return. I assume he'll be good to go for this one for a normal allotment of minutes. Uh, should be an interesting one for Miles Turner. Boston tends to go relatively small outside of the center position. That could make life harder or easier. I, I don't know, uh, but he's the rim protector, which means a lot of wings and guards are going to be coming at him. This will either be a horrible one or a fantastic one. I don't see anything in between. For Miles, he's still a big buy low for me. Charlotte, Brooklyn, this is uh, the second half back-to-back. We already know what's going on with the Hornets. Brooklyn, pretty good idea with them as well until guys start to get healthy. Uh, Garrett Temple, a worthwhile streaming option these days. He's actually been quite solid, hovering around the 90 range pretty much the entire time that uh, Kyrie and and Karis LeVert have been out of the lineup. Atlanta on the back-to-back, we'll see what they do with uh, Herder. He might sit this one out or he might just see depressed minutes. I wouldn't expect the minutes cap to get raised on the second half of a back-to-back, but crazier things have happened. Chicago, um, well, they're just, they've been playing better, so I'm going to keep giving the nod to Chris Dunn as a starting option. Otto Porter, of course, sort of kind of buried the lead a little bit on that one. Uh, it was revealed on Tuesday afternoon that he's going to be reevaluated in another month and that the bone bruise has actually turned out to be a fracture. I mean... You guys know I love Otto Porter. I am probably the biggest auto defender in the fantasy landscape, but even this might be too much for me. I think I got to get out of the Otto Porter business. It's probably drop time if somebody interesting pops up. I mean, you're not just going to drop him for the sake of dropping him, but you're looking at at least another month, at least mid-January, maybe even later, maybe the All-Star break. And at that point, what's the purpose? So I think I'm moving on. Sad to say that that could end up being a sunk draft pick, and that's a real kick in the you know what. Utah, Minnesota, uh, we're keeping an eye on Jared Culver and Jeff Teague and whatever's going on with that little miniature flip-flop position battle type of thing, but it seems like both could end up above the cut line at some point. Culver needs to fix his percentages. Teague needs to make sure that he knows his his proper role in the second unit, and I don't know that he fully comprehends it yet. Uh, Mike Conley, I believe, is out, so uh, Joe Ingles' stream time continues. Memphis, with John Morant back, looked a hell of a lot better in their last ball game. Uh, I would Brandon Clark actually expected to make his return for this one as well, so that should be a lot more fun on the Grizzlies side. Just sort of take it in, see what it looks like. 
Aaron Baines, let's see if his minutes come up here, his second game back from the calf injury and what that does to Dario Saric. My guess would be and the more Aaron Baines plays, the more Saric pushes away from the bucket, so that'll be a bad thing for him. And let's keep an eye on Mikhail Bridges, who's actually had two or three decent ball games in a row for Phoenix as well. New Orleans, Milwaukee, Derek Favors is questionable. Alvin Gentry said he expects him to play. Welcome back, man. You got to deal with Giannis and the Bucks. Yikes. Listen, the pragmatist in me says sit him, but the lunatic that needs field goal percent and rebounds says I'm probably going to dump in, into my lineup. Uh, probably benching Josh Hart and or J.J. Redick for this ballgame. It could be a blowout, which might not be a good look for either of them. I think both guys do end up useful in 12-team leagues, but this might not be the game for it. Oklahoma City at Sacramento. Uh, Marvin Bagley may make his return for this ballgame, so we'll see what that does initially here to Nemanja Bielica, who's been playing great. I don't expect Rashawn Holmes to take that big of a hit. He's been too damn good. Thunder expect Danilo Gallinari back, which would mean that the uh, my prediction that he'd miss at least a week, because he always does with an ankle sprain. I don't know what the hell Gallo's been drinking, but apparently he needed to start drinking it six years ago. So they go back to what they always were. And then the Knicks on a back-to-back. I mean, who cares? This is really a toilet bowl of a basketball game, but maybe we'll get a better idea playing a terrible defense opportunity to fire up some Knicks. Hopefully this one's more competitive. And uh, for the Warriors, again, another example of a, a chance to get your stars some decent lines and then sell them off for scrap parts. Folks, as always, please do sign up for the Hoopball Brews letter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Get yourself on the list. It is free. Thanks for the rate and review. Thanks to Brandon Marcus for talking injury stuff. You guys know the drill. Hit me up if you want to be a contributor here at Hoopball as well. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll talk to the captain, Mr. Kurt Beach one of the hosts of our Box Score Breakdown podcast. He is uh, an expert with strategy. We're going to go over sort of time-of-year strategy, uh, and hopefully this will be a recurring segment going forward as well. Really excited to talk to some of Hoopball's best minds this week on the pod, and I want to do it more often because it's a lot more fun than talking to myself. Brandon is on Twitter, at BDMarcus. Hit him up, bug him with questions. He'll love it. I'm at Dan Bespris. Have a wonderful Wednesday. We will talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.